Good morning. Good morning. How are we doing today? Great. Great. Are we having a good fall? Yes. yes. Wonderful. Is anyone looking forward to Halloween? A few candy lovers, carbohydrate friends of mine. Very good. Jason, are you looking forward to Halloween, dude? Yes. Awesome. Man. Good. I knew you were with me if no one else was. Um, well, if you like Halloween, uh, I have a good ghost story for you today. I pray it's a ghost story that's going to give you even a few goosebumps. Uh, we pick up this journey this morning in Mark chapter 6 as we enter into the world of miracles. Immediately after this, that being the feeding of 5,000 people, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. And after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. <laughs> the language here is very strong. Watching Jesus take five loaves of bread and two fish and feed 5,000 people was heavy stuff for his disciples. Uh, if he could feed an army with five loaves of Wonder Bread and two cans of sardines, think what he could do with, I don't know, a couple dozen swords and a couple horses. What kind of defense department, war department, could Jesus raise up? He knew their minds, where their minds were going. And so he sent the disciples out for a bit of a cold shower on the lake while he himself went out to pray. It says he went up into the hills to pray. Now, archaeologists haven't discovered this yet. But if Galilee had an all-night donut shop, I think Jesus would have been. You can see him over in the corner, a dark table, a couple glazed crawlers, a cup of coffee, and hands in the air, praying all night. This is what Jesus did. It's how he summoned his power to interact into a miraculous and spiritual world. Well, late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard, and struggling against the winds and the waves. Don't know for sure, perhaps the moon was full, Somehow, Jesus saw the twelve easily. I guess he had a great spot on that hillside. Uh, Caleb and I were in Alabama last week. We got a stadium tour of Bryant-Denny Stadium where the University of Alabama Crimson Tide plays football. My apologies to the Florida guys in the back table. Uh, but uh, it, was, it was an amazing seat to, to stand in uh, the booths where these suites where millionaires occupy these areas to stand in the suites where the broadcasters broadcast the games. It was 50-yard line seating, and you could see everything from there. And I just wonder if Jesus is on this hillside, he has some kind of 50-yard line seat. 
And he's looking at his disciples, perhaps on a full moon night. And you see him struggling against the winds and the waves. The problem is, you could die on such a night. You could die on such a night where you're rowing against the white caps in the dark. The text says they were in serious trouble. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. He intended to go past them. Quite a curious phrase. I don't know what it means, but we'll keep reading. He intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. In the dance of the moonlight over white camp waters, the disciples see something. What is it? It looks like a man walking, but it can't be a man walking. We know men don't walk on water. And deep lakes like this in the ancient worldview housed all kinds of sea monsters and sea creatures. What is it? What's coming toward them on this dark night? Creepy stuff, man. Now, when you think of a ghost, what do you think of? Maybe it's your old friend Casper, right? I didn't see the movie. I heard it was okay. Uh, Some of you can tell me later. Uh, then maybe you think of uh, Bruce Willis and uh, Haley Joel Osment here in The Sixth Sense. If you have seen it and you have friends that haven't seen it, don't tell them the story. Okay? It's a really good one. Or maybe you think like me, you think of, you know, Scooby-Doo. And, uh, by the way, that's a sea monster on uh, Scooby-Doo. Um, I read this passage as a kid, and I, I thought of some figure kind of looking like Jesus, but kind of pale and translucent. Um, kind of like the way they used to look on Scooby-Doo, actually. Um, I wonder why I thought Jesus looked that way. <laughs> um, given that they're on the water, I bet the disciples thought, they were looking at some kind of sea demon, perhaps. Can you imagine living in a world where you think it's very possible that a sea demon is coming at you? I'll tell you what, if I'm in a 24-foot boat at night on the open sea and I see a demon walking toward me, I'm not sticking around. At the end of that deal, Jesus is not going to be the only one walking on the water, man. I am out of there. All right? Um, what are you going to do? You're, you're terrified. So to these men who are terrified, he gives them eternal words of comfort. These are amazing words. These words right here, I'm telling you, that's why you're over here today. Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. 
Somebody please put that on your Facebook feed today. Somebody please tweet that out. Uh, somebody go to your, your dog groomer and have him shave that into your dog's side, all right? Like those are the words you want to be around you. Jesus walking on the water is legit a flat out miracle, okay? Um, you know, many of us have tried this little trick, right? But no matter how many floaties you put in your backyard pool as you try to step across the water, you go down eventually. It doesn't take long. It's inevitable. But perhaps the real miracle of this story, though, is not that Jesus walked on water. Perhaps the miracle are these words here. I am here. The phrase I am is the phrase that God used when Moses asked God what his name was in Exodus 3. I am what I am. I'm limitless. I'm unbounded. I can do all things. And the phrase I am is the same one Jesus would later use in Mark 14 when at his trial they asked him, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed, and only one? You know what Jesus said? I am. Don't miss out on the double meaning. Yes, I am the one God sent, but it has a double meaning of I am God himself. You know, um, when in school, I don't know if they still do this or not. Do, do, you know, those of you who teach tell me, do, do teachers still call roles? Lorraine, you're back there. Do, do teachers still call roles like... Yeah, attendance rolls, they do? Okay. So, you know, um, so let's say, um, you know, we're in the classroom, and the teacher says, Carolyn, and you say, here. And Ray, you say, here. When they called Jesus' name, he didn't say here. He said God. Because here, for him, is the same as God. When he's here, He's not just saying I'm present. He's saying God is here. It's not just a statement of him being in the room or somebody named Jesus being around us. It's a statement that God is present himself on earth with you, with me. God's not off in heaven. He's not off in some far off galaxy. He's not a billion miles away from your cares and problems. God is right here. As a matter of fact, He's in this room. He's sitting next to you. He's dwelling around us today in this room. And he is inside of us. He could not be more present. I am here. No laws of science can hold all of his power and the depths of his love. God coming to earth. That is the real miracle. Is the real miracle. Now, there's an interesting addition to this story, not found here in the Gospel of Mark, but alluded to beautifully in the first song we sang today. It is found in the book of Matthew, and I want to share a little of that with you as well. Uh, many scholars think when Mark was writing his gospel, uh, Peter was right there on his shoulder telling Mark's stories. And it's very interesting that if this is Peter's gospel, 
Peter omits a pretty important story about himself. A story he didn't want to tell on himself. And I wonder if it was out of humility or out of shame. But anyway, Matthew does have that part of the story. So let's look at that. We'll pick it up there. Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Oh, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified, began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him. Oh, he has so little faith. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. And they realized I am was with them. And they said, you really are the son of God. Now I want to remind us here of these stories. These are not excerpts from Lord of the Rings. Uh, this is not a chapter of Harry Potter. This is a story from the Bible, the word of God. But people walking on water. It can kind of stretch the imagination if you're not good at that kind of thinking. For Jesus to do it, okay. But this man, Peter, he does it too. You see, the thing is, we can trust this account from Matthew. And there's, that's why I have a lot of confidence that this is real. If this had not happened, there is no way the 11 other guys in the boat would have let this story be published and entered into the history of the church. I'm sure some of them even loathe the fact that Peter was the brave hero walking out like, why didn't I walk out? Or, you know, like they have to sit there and, and deal with the fact that he's the one that walked on water. No other human besides Jesus had ever done that before. Like, uh, now, like all of us, I have never done any water walking. I've done some water skiing. Actually, it was more like water dragging or Bruce dragging across <laughs> the water. Um, but what must it be like to walk on water? What does it feel like to your feet hitting the water? Does it feel solid, like you're stepping on a stone or walking across a marble floor like you're in a hospital or something, or a bank with those you know, grand you know, marble floors? Or does it feel soft, like you're stepping on jello? Like what does walking on the water feel like? It's fun to imagine. Of course, Peter didn't walk too long. He began to sink after a few steps. And often we focus on Peter's lack of faith here because, after all, Jesus does kind of underline it, doesn't he? But my question is this. What were the other 11 guys doing? Where were they while Peter was walking? Sounds to me like they were screaming like school kids on Halloween. Ah! Ah! They were shaking. They're scared to death. Talk about, talk about a lack of faith. Only Peter had the faith to ask, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you and walk on the water. That's faith, man. Talk about out of the box. Peter didn't say, 
Well, Lord, if it's you, come into the boat. Or, Lord, if it's you, stop the storm. No, um, Peter wins most original miraculous request of the year award to me on this one. Right? He believed Jesus when Jesus said, if you have enough faith, you can tell a mountain to go jump into the sea. You thought, if a mountain can jump into the sea, man, surely I can walk on it, right? So if it's you, Lord, then surely you will let me do the things you get to do. And, you know, he grabbed, he grabbed the rails on the side of that boat. Two-handed it, right? Swung his leg over. Put it out on the high seas. One of the greatest steps of faith any human had ever done. That's amazing. It's an amazing life accomplishment. But Peter didn't do it with his feet. He did it with his faith. Once Jesus said, I am here, he knew he could get out of that boat. And here's the important word for us. I am here. Because you see, I am here lets us walk on water too. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. I am here. You see, this is why this series on miracles is important. We have to open ourselves to the fact that we live in a supernatural world. And that Jesus is in charge of such a world. Or we will never fully enjoy our supernatural God. Uh, quick story, and the sermon is yours. Uh, we were uh, with our friend Neil Reynolds last week, and uh, Neil's a good minister in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and they're doing a sermon series on find your one. It means uh, think about someone who you love, who's estranged from God, and pray for that person like nobody else. We pray for everybody. But you doggone sure pray for that one. That, you keep that one near your heart all the time. And so, <clears throat> um, during my staff call with Neil last week, he called me and said, uh, I've got to share a story with you guys. I've had the greatest answer to prayer that I've ever had in my life. Wow. He said, well, my brother Michael called me. His brother Michael, a few years older than him, Distant from God for years and years and years. They grew up to church together, knew it one way in life, became a pastor. His brother Michael has had a hard life, a very hard life. Um, <clears throat> last Saturday, Michael got kicked out of his apartment from his girlfriend. Seven days ago, he walked into a church in Dallas, Texas. Walked in, sat in the back. The preacher got up, told us, uh, read a sermon out, and in that he explained the Christian worldview that there's something very unique in it. That we believe that there are forces of good acting in the world, and that there are forces of evil acting in the world. There are active agents trying to discourage you and harass you. 
And Michael heard something he hadn't heard in 20 years. That explained all his broken relationships and all his estranged relationships with his kids and family. He heard that maybe Satan had been harassing him. And something about that phrase broke him. And he wept and wept. Went before, uh, uh, well, he, he wept and wept. He wept so much he didn't even hear the rest of the sermon. So he stayed for the second service and heard the sermon again. Then he met with some shepherds at the church, had him pray for him, and said, I've just been realizing today, Satan's been harassing me, and it explains my life. Neil's been praying for his brother, far from God, for weeks now, very intently. And it just so happens, his brother walks into a church on Sunday and hears something that breaks him by the Spirit of God. And Neil's telling me this on Thursday, and he's crying, and I'm crying. And I am aware of something that I needed for me personally. Because I don't know if you're like me, but you got people in your life, friends and family. I don't know, you get a little mad with them, you get a little disappointed in them, you get a little frustrated with them because they're doing stupid stuff and they've been doing it for years. What would happen to my relationships if I didn't get mad at people, but instead I saw them as people that were being harassed by Satan? That the harassment of Satan just might explain the crappy lives they have. Yeah, they're making some decisions, but Satan's tempting them. He's tempting them to a way of life. He's out there. He's harassing people. I'm thinking about my brother whom I need to pray for in the same way. Maybe you have a brother or a sister or a parent or a friend like that too. We have to open ourselves up to a spiritual world where anything can happen because I am is here. This is the world you and I live in. Let's embrace such a world. Engage it with the kingdom of God. And see evil dispersed. And see the glory of the Lord enter in. That's what we're praying for. That's what we want to do for this community. That's what we want to do at Fall Fest. So I want to see a church grow. I mean, that's awesome. But it's so much bigger than that. It's a part of it. It's about seeing Jesus come into lives. And these are tools we use to get there. Isn't it good to be a part of that? Be part of a supernatural, spiritual thing where you see lives turn around for the kingdom of God. Amen. 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 <sighs> I'm going to say a prayer and conclude my sermon. We'll see what's next. Father, thank you that we are people that understand and believe and live and see a spiritual world full of scary things. Full of demons that harass. Full of systems that terrorize us. And that we get to be agents of light and cast it out in your name. That people may receive your peace and love.
May we be, may we be so useful for you, God. That's our goal. We love you. Thank you for hearing our prayer. It's in your son Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Um, we'll have a time of a song right now. And during that time, you have an opportunity to fill out some prayers and some questions. Uh, so enjoy this time uh, to do that. <laughs>